Yo, 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 welcome to my show. Welcome back to Rebranded Safety. This week we're talking all about health and safety in theatre. There was a really, really interesting article in the Irish magazine um, by Tina Wiedek, who gives us a real insight into a real complex environment, some real innovative ways to deal with a risk. All kind of uh, part of it came off the back of uh, some civil litigation. So it's a really interesting story. I thought we'd tell you about it, give you some insights and maybe open your minds, open your eyes in how maybe you can deal with some problems you're dealing with in your business. Let's get into the podcast. Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success. We are in a pressured regime of health and safety regulations. A huge fire engulfs a tower block in Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school. Worst oil field disaster, 164 dead. Rebranding Safety, the modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Fluent and your host, James McPherson. Welcome back to Rebranded Safety then people. Rebranded Safety does exactly what it says on the tin. We're here to rebrand health and safety. We want to challenge a perception that it's all about checklists and clipboards and PPE. We're here to challenge some crazy over-the-top practices that we're starting to see out there. We're here to try and make health and safety a little bit more interesting, a little bit more profitable for you and your business, help you save lives and save money so let's get into this week's episode we're talking all about an article about the royal opera house uh, a case of a violin player whose loss of hearing um, was deemed a workplace related injury injury um, which kind of instigated a very very interesting case um so yeah in short this gentleman, he basically plays violin and during the practices um, had kind of damaged his ears. So, but the article kind of gives us an immediate insight into the kind of complexities of health, safety, risk management um, in a theatre. Um, but the inter- interesting thing that I kind of want to touch on first is, is it, as I was thinking as I was reading this, I was thinking, you know, of that saying, the show must go on. And and I thought it was an interesting kind of concept. And one of the part of the reasons why I wanted to read it out with you guys was that, you know, the show must go on in theatre, but also in our businesses as well. So, you know, we want to be trying to manage the risks of, our, of what we're doing, the services we're providing or the product we're producing. Um, but at the same time, the show must go on. We still want to provide a service. I've said in many podcasts before, that health and safety should not be our number one priority. That doesn't mean that we don't manage the risks or the well-being of our staff or our employees, our teams, our customers, etc. It means that by putting it by number one, then essentially we would end up in a position where we are now of health and safety kind of gone mad. Um, So yeah, this article, let's get into it then. It gives us an insight into the kind of variety of the risks. So, you know, any one time... um, and maybe all at once, there may be work at height, hazardous substances, electricity, noise, lasers, slips and trips, confined spaces, stress, members of public, fire risks, all of that to contend with. And some of those quite straightforward on their own, um, but when all together, 
um, would be a nightmare. I mean, just just imagining the evacuation of a theatre in the event of emergency would be an evacuation in its own right. Um, so let's continue on then to the next highlighted paragraph. Um, we also hang in quotations people, shoot in quotations people, throw them from windows all the time. This makes applying as low as reasonably practicable principle rather challenging so that's where that kind of the show must go on can you imagine working in health and safety or risk management or whatever you want to call it um and having the kind of chief production officer director whatever we, we want to call them come over to you and say so you know bob that the actor oh yeah i know bob he's a really nice guy yeah i want to shoot him um okay for the show oh right okay cool thanks sorry just maybe clarify that first you know sorry that was just a real poor little comedy sketch there i mean at rebranded said we just provide everything everything absolutely everything comedy sketches intellectual material insights into magazines that you only get if you're part of an expensive membership i mean what more could you want from a podcast moving swiftly on um creative so the people that are creating stuff you know people in a creative role um will always try to push things to the max she says um, she being the uh head of safety for the royal opera house um, designers, for instance, don't always get the importance of health and safety aspects, but at the same time, they cannot design with only health and safety in mind. That would be horrible. You're preaching to the choir, sister. You see what I did there? You know, Royal Opera House, choir. Yeah, yeah, I'll move on. Yeah, okay. So... What am I trying to say? So, what was I saying? In my own jokes, completely knocked knock me off course. Okay, so when she says here that if if they design something with only health and safety in mind, that would be horrible. We in the profession have got to acknowledge that sometimes there is going to be risk in things that we do. Um, I don't, I don't think that people consciously think, you know, oh, we, we want to kind of remove all risk, but people do seem to do it. People in the industry do seem to want to apply that kind of method. You know, and they're not really mindful of the whole kind of impact. You know, why are we doing this? Well, we're doing this because our, our priority as a business and a Royal Opera House is to provide the most entertaining show possible, um, which provides you know entertainment for our customers which then brings profit to the business that's our priority here how can we do that as safe as possible as safe as possible or as safe as reasonable and possible and practical is not 100% risk free so that's why that kind of uh, struck a chord with me let's move on then next paragraph as an as, as an example, she tells a story of a performance that involved a duel on one of six lifts that can descend nine meters below the main stage and rise six meters above it. The lift was raised up a couple of meters and there was no edge protection. Now, no edge protection, for those of you that are listening that have no idea, just to make sure we're on the same page, edge protection will be exactly that. It would be something like a barrier, you know what you see on scaffolding and you see those bars along the edge of scaffolding, that's edge protection. Now, 
it's 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 not that you can't have an unprotected edge and work on it it would normally mean that if you were going to say put up scaffolding and there'd be no edge you may want to put in extra steps like a harness and a edge restricting lanyard you know so you can't go that close to the edge or uh, a full kind of arrest device or something like that um Obviously, in theatre, you can't have some big high-vis friggin' uh, harness on. So you, they, they, they've got to kind of think around something like that. So what risk are we willing to take? The risk we're willing to take is obviously somebody falling off because there is no way we can eliminate that risk. So that's where they are at the moment. Let's carry on then. The lift was raised up a couple of years. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Raised up a couple of years with no edge protection. Even though the performers had to run and jump around quite a bit. So we hired fight directors to train the performers to do it safely. This is called rehearsed competency. We also marked the platform with lines that only the performers, not the audience, could see. Indicating safe areas for them to remain within. So... Here we can't engineer out the 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 risk by putting edge protection on. We can't protect from a fall by putting uh, distance restricting lanyards on. Sorry, I forgot how to talk. Well, I forget how to talk every podcast. So, what? Who am I kidding? Um, so then you've got to try and reduce the the distance of the fall. Well, obviously they can't do that because that's the the kind of setup of the set. So now they've got to come up with some kind of funky system to kind of reduce a like of a fall, but they are accepting the risk of a fall. And this is why I thought this was fascinating that we could all learn so much from this. Um, so they've increased the competency of their staff, of their employees, of the performance of the performers they have increased the competency of those people to put the reliance on them therefore making the the people your asset the control as opposed to the problem now when i say put the reliance on them that's not the responsibility the responsibility doesn't go on the on the performer they have just as much a responsibility of their own health and safety and their and others as anybody does but there is a duty on the Royal Opera House to protect their workers, and their workers are the performers. Um, and that's simplifying if there was a contract team or whatever. Just forget that. Let's assume they will work for the, the Opera House, or otherwise it's going to get really complicated. So, they've they've put their emphasis in the control measure and competency, which I thought was was fascinating I, I just really like that approach um now some of you might be thinking like i was thinking well to be fair everyone in who's a performer in the theater is not going to sue the theater because they've probably worked all their life to um become a performer but it does happen i mean han solo not han solo his, his real name is not han solo um what's his real name harrison ford did, if i remember rightly didn't he sue the set or the production team for one of um the new star wars films because something fell on his foot um you know so it does happen um this whole article is written you know about primarily a person, a, a performer, granted an, an instrument player, but still a performer, has sued the Royal Opera House. So it does happen. So let's move on. You can't curtail creativity. Just control it. If we want to be successful, 
entertainment want to be uh, sorry i'm going to start that again if we want to be a successful entertainment company we have to be on the edge we can't play it safe how much risk do we accept that's the question i don't believe in zero risk again this is kind of very much similar to, to the whole kind of previous two paragraphs that i've highlighted but it does kind of encompass and kind of summarize that whole bit very very well you know you don't believe in zero risk and and in fact could she believe in zero risk in that kind of industry you know but we sh none of us should believe in zero risk there is risk in everything we do you could cross the road tomorrow get hit by a lorry but yet, when we work in health and safety, or, or we consult with health and safety people, we seem to get to a point where, because there is a legal liability, a legal duty on us, we believe that we must remove all risk. To a point where we don't do anything because we get so frustrated with trying to remove all risk that we no longer remove any risk. Does that make sense? So what I'm saying here is that the health and safety gone mad culture that of kind of trying to provide the gold standard to everything that we balance on and, and granted there is a bit of a movement away from it but but still it's there has created an environment that's quite the opposite of what they intended what they intended was to create a world maybe subconsciously not consciously but to create a world with zero risk at least within business but what they have actually created is a world where people are so pissed off and fed up of, of health and safety gone mad that we now have a, a world of increased risk because we're not managing health and safety because we, we it stops the conversation we stop listening don't we because we already have that preconception that perception that it is gone mad so everything that James says or any other health and safety professional says will be over the top and stupid does that make sense hopefully so Let's move on. Unfortunately, this view was not entirely shared by the cause, before which the Royal Opera House found itself last year to answer claims of breach of duty and causation of injury to a member of its orchestra. I'm not going to name the orchestra player because he's, he's named in the article, but I don't, I don't think it's necessary. I don't see why, why we have to name him. Uh, but either way, um, this gentleman sustained a hearing injury um, that ended his professional career. So here we have a dilemma now. I am 100% on board for accepting risk. And in that kind of environment, you do have to accept risk. However, we have just, let's assume we, the listeners and, and, and I, um, we are the safety team and the business and the production team etc that is the Royal Opera House we have created a very risk um, a very a very what's the phrase I'm going to try and work out how to use the phrase risk appetite we've got a very high risk appetite we, we, we accept a lot of risk in this environment however we have created an environment which is ruined the career of a gentleman that and let's be honest he probably worked his entire life to perform somewhere like the royal opera house this is not picking and packing down argos this is not you know not there's anything wrong with that job but you know this is a different level of job you get sacked from argos you can move on to morrison's you get sacked from morrison's you move on from tesco i get sacked from where i work i move on to somewhere else that's the nature of our kind of everyday normal people joe blogs like me like you um that's the nature of our lives the nature of our jobs but somebody's worked their entire life to play an instrument they've dedicated probably every hour in their early career to that instrument now cannot play because they have lost their hearing 
so we have this moral dilemma that you are in a way uh do i want to say encourage you are in a way supportive of the claim of the civil litigation you you're like yeah fair enough mate you know imagine if that was your your brother you would be like yes you've you've worked all your life to play this instrument and they've not managed noise at work which they have a, have a liability have a liability have a duty to do sue them you're never going to be able to play violin again viola violin one of the other um again so we we have this dilemma don't we where we're doing an amazing job, in my opinion, and I, and I do genuinely believe that how they're managing risk is the way forward, yet it's failed, and the courts have deemed it as not enough so far. So, let's move on. So, the judge found that the violin player had sustained acoustic shock. And that it should have been compulsory for all orchestra musicians to wear protection all the time during rehearsals and performances. Now, when I read this bit here, and don't worry, the article continues on. But when I read this bit, I was like, are you taking the piss? Excuse my French. Let's be honest, you've heard worse words. But you, you've... You've got somebody that, that uses their ears, you know, to... And it's ironic, me me kind of talking about this article being hard of hearing, but, you you, you know, using their, their good quality ears, their trained ears, you know, they've got a high level of competence just in their hearing that they've over the years kind of perfected to be able to hear different tones, semitones, whatever we want to call them, or whatever they are called, sorry... And then we're going to say, right, because of health and safety, you've got to shove this rubber thing in your ear, make you hear less. Can you imagine how that would go down? One of the questions might be, would the musician that has lost his hearing, would they wear hearing protection even now? Let's continue on. Since part of the rehearsal and performance would exceed the exposure action value 85 decibels set out in the Noise at Work Regulations 2005, the orchestra pit had to be compulsory hearing protection area at all times. So, just to reiterate, there's the Noise at Work Regulations. I think we've done a podcast with Stevie um, about this. Um, so, there's Noise at Work Regulations. They've got an exposure action value of 85 decibels which would require it to be compulsory hearing protection so they must wear by law hearing protection according to the regulations in the orchestra pit got to do it in this regard there is no distinction between an opera house and a factory this ruling was disastrous for the for the royal opera house the majority of the orchestra's work is done above 85 decibels also orchestra members play by listening to each other They can't do that if they're wearing hearing protection. In fact, the person, the the injured uh, claimant and a witness who also suffered, suffered from tinnitus said they wouldn't be able to play with hearing protection all the time. So now this shit gets interesting. The person who's claiming... So, the person who's claiming has admitted he wouldn't wear hearing protection. So, very, 
very interesting point. Another interesting point, just to kind of jump back on, that, that it's, it's stating that the regulations is no distinction between the opera house and a factory. So that's important to know that, that in a factory, it's probably reasonable for 85 decibel area for everyone to be wearing hearing protection. That's probably quite reasonable. Now, it is important to note, probably go back if, if you're thinking, oh, I need to learn about this stuff uh, for your workplace or your business. Um, go and listen to the podcast that we did with Stevie about noise at work because... Um, excuse me, I'm just moving my chair, get comfortable, um, because there's a lot to talk about around kind of, you know, trying to trying to reduce the noise at source and etc. which we'll kind of touch on in here anyway. Um, but yeah, go listen to that podcast. So, as you can imagine, the Royal Opera House is going to appeal it. So that's the next bit. The court of, In the Court of Appeal in April 2019, the Court of Appeal in April 2009, agreed with the conclusions of the original judge on the medical outcome of the sound exposure and upheld her order in the claimant's favour. Crucially though, they accepted the Royal Opera House's case that it was not reasonably practicable for players in an orchestra pit to perform if they were required to wear hearing protection at all times. They set aside the original judge findings in that regard, stating that musicians should wear protection when they can. Now, that's probably a more reasonable um, uh, more reasonable request. However, it doesn't eliminate the problem, does it? It doesn't eliminate um, the risk. The risk is still there. So surely if you were the kind of CEO or whatever of the Opera House, you're thinking, well, hang on a minute. So we don't have to we don't have to get them to wear hearing protection. They couldn't wear hearing protection to do their job. So they could lose their hearing and then they could still sue us because a precedent has been set. Is that correct? I think so. It is correct, Mr. CEO. I think that is correct. So the conclusion is we either have an orchestra that can't play the instruments because they can't hear each other, therefore we have no show, therefore we make no profit, or we make profit but we're going to have to make enough profit to assume that every single member of that orchestra could potentially sue us for hearing loss. Yeah. Boss? Boss? Where are you going? So the enforcement had happened, the, the damages had been done, the damages had been issued to the claimant, etc. And the head of safety needs to work out, how do we move forward for this? And she says, we needed to be humble and look at our assumptions to determine where we went wrong. God, it's a bit of a mouthful, sorry for that. Um, so that we could figure out how to do better. It's about seizing the opportunity to improve. Again, without I'm not going to do the drums, but yeah, you know, preaching to the choir, 100. This is what what and it's impressive, isn't it? Like you you would quite rightly feel like that jokes aside, but you would feel like, hang on a minute, so we could get sued, uh, or we just go out of business. What do we do? Like you feel like you got no options. Um, so fair play that they kind of sat there and said we all right fair enough we dropped the buck there we need to work out how we can do what we need to do and be safe at the same time so i was very impressed to read that 
Then she goes on to say, um, we didn't want a purely health and safety person. And what they're talking about here is they're talking about getting people who are specialists to help them come up with a solution. So saying they didn't want a health and safety person, just a health and safety specialist. They managed to find a singing, trumpet playing researcher. So they hired him on a two year contract. They then carried out a survey of the size of the pit to determine whether changing the layout would vary the sound, and if so, how feasible such such a change would be. Not very, as it turned out. It would have cost them millions to maybe reduce the exposure by 1 to 1.5 decibels average, and that would have been for only some musicians. So the Royal Opera House has partnered with Middlesex University to redesign its risk assessment to take into the account artistic benefits. Now, let me just say that again. The Royal Opera House has partnered with Middlesex University to redesign its risk assessment to take into account artistic benefits. Let's really kind of drill this down because this is a phenomenal piece of work. They have redesigned their risk assessment to ensure that it takes fully into account the services in which they are trying to provide. What a phenomenal piece of work. So, I love what they've done there. They've kind of, they've been absolutely smacked around the face, you know, they've been knocked for six by the judge, by the, by the claimant, etc. They've, they've got up, you know, they've just gone, okay. Fair enough, we've dropped the buck. How can we do this? Well, if we're going to do this, we need to make sure that we're considering the impact of what we decided health and safety on the artistic and creativity side of the business, which is the primary selling. It's, it's a USP, isn't it, in a way? So I love what they're doing there. They've kind of, you know what, the system's not working for us. So we're going to make our own system, our own safety system. We're not going to go with safety one, safety two, with safety differently, you know, A cops, whatever. We're going to come up with our own Royal Opera House way of doing things. So I absolutely love how they've done that, their optimistic way of looking forward and, and, and then moving forward. So they've moved on then. Um, in terms of order, 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 in terms of Audiometry, audiometry, audiometry. I'm just going to skip that bit. The organisation is looking into using autoacoustic emissions as well as the standard pure tone test used by the NHS. Um, so I've wrote here some notes. This is a sound which is generated within the inner ear. The pure tone test. No, sorry. The autoacoustic emissions is a sound that's generated within the inner ear, according to my scribbles. Um, so I'll move on because that, that's kind of a leading paragraph to the next paragraph. Autoacoustic emissions are used to test the hearing of newborn babies. So are being developed to provide audiologists with an additional way of screening the hearing of all adults, not just musicians. We're interested in trying it at the Royal Opera House to make our audiometry, I, I hope that's the way to say it, I'm sorry if it's not, even more comprehensive. It's a passive test, not relying on considered human response. It's quick to carry out and doesn't require a soundproof environment. The major advantage, however, is that it's proactive. It can detect hearing damage before the person can actually notice it. Now that 
is science at its best. Like, shit, that is impressive. They've, they've, I don't know how they found that out, but that's absolutely phenomenal. You know, they've engaged with this researcher that's got a passion for music. They've engaged with a university um, to redesign how they do uh, their risk assessments. And they've, they've now got a system in place that proactively detects hearing damage. So that enables them to, to ed- they've educated themselves, aren't they? It gives them all the data that they need, you know. I think we use data poorly in business, to be honest, especially around health and safety, but this has got to be data at its best. It's, it's going to be able to tell the business, we've got a problem, boom, they can react. So let's move on then. The next kind of bit touches on some of the other hazards. Um, so they talk about evacuation drills. The Royal Opera House has two or... Auditoriums. Oh, I know how to say this word. Auditorium. Jesus Christ. Auditoriums. Boom. Got it. Oh, thank you. So, now they're talking about evacuations. Auditorium said. So, the Royal Opera House has two auditoriums, numerous bars, caffs, and on performance day can can have up to 3,500 visitors and staff in the building. Can imagine evacuating that building. I said it early on in the in the podcast. What a nightmare that would be. There's other points to consider, which I would have never thought of. Um, it's easy to manage, and and this is this is now the article talking. It's easy to manage an evacuation for an opera than it is for a ballet. Ballet dancers need to keep warm to perform. Keep warm to perform. Oh my god, what is wrong with me? So, to restart a ballet performance after an evacuation, they need at least 20 minutes to allow the dancers to warm up again. It's even worse in the winter. So as part of their evacuation procedure, therefore, they have special blankets to keep the artists warm. It's just it's just amazing. Like like how amazing is this like ingenuity no ingenuity um you know they acknowledged the problem and said right you know we can't if we evacuate a building the customers are going to be pissed off as it pissed off as it is and then they're going to come back in they've got to sit in the theater for another 20 minutes maybe we could offer free drinks or something or maybe we could do that and give them blankets or just give them blankets it'll keep them warm um so they've they've ingrained that as part of their evacuation procedure phenomenal absolutely phenomenal i take my hats off to these people another point they've noticed they've noted violence and aggression is is as much an issue for the royal opera house as are for other entertainment values so they've worked with the society of london theater to introduce a body camera system they 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 then move on to say that how quick they are the these systems how quick they are to deploy um and that they actually help to defuse tense situations um basically they're describing that they act like a mirror so the the aggressor is able to see themselves on a screen uh, and that's often enough to make them stop the behavior so what Again, what a kind of solution there. They're trying to proactively calm the situation down. They can quickly activate these body cams. But what a phenomenal industry to work in. And what a phenomenal example for us to take away of how to look at risk. How to say, how can we manage this risk? How can we do what we need to do as a business 
but do it as safe as possible. So, hats off to the Royal Opera House, hats off to the Head of Safety, great article by Ayosh. Um, I've been giving them a bit of a bad time on uh, LinkedIn this last week, so um, yeah, great article, um, very, very impressed, uh, well written, and just a, good, just a good story as well. So, hats off to all those people. Um, what's coming up on the podcast, we've got uh, a few episodes recorded of interviews, so hopefully in the coming weeks you'll hear less of me, you will go, yeah! Um, you'll hear a bit less of me we've got some amazing people coming on we've got some big guests lined up um, just waiting to get them nailed down concrete in the diary as soon as that's happening I will let you know Um, we're coming up to our year anniversary people Um, 30th of November is a year since rebranding safety started thank you for joining us on this journey um we'll 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 probably just keep saying this time and time again up until that we've got a few weeks left until our anniversary so keep posted i hope you have enjoyed this podcast if you have um give us a rate and review people and if you do give us a rate and review um screenshot it and tweet me um at rebranded safety or come and find me on linkedin james mcpherson you can find us on facebook as well rebranding safety so Come find us on those things. If you're enjoying this podcast, please give it a rate and review. Let us know so we can give you a shout out. Talking to shout outs then, let's do some shout outs because, um, you know, we get people feedback mostly on LinkedIn um, and I never give them a shout out. And I thought as I was going through it the other day that that's not fair. So we're going to start doing some shout outs every now and again when we get Uh, feedback if I get so much feedback that we do it every week then I'm going to do it every week so that's just more of an incentive for you guys to feed back to me if you want to hear your name on this illustrious podcast is that the right word illustrious anyway so first shout out goes to Corey Martin founder and CEO at Spotlight Safety Incorporated and Bruce Safer He says, absolutely love what you have going. It's always nice to connect with other people. Looking to advance safety in a new and innovative ways. All the best, Corey. Thank you very much for your feedback, Corey. Thank you for connecting with me on LinkedIn and good luck in the future. Second shout out goes to Andrew McGillivray. I'm completely sorry. I've completely butchered your name. Maybe this shout out thing is not a great idea. This is a gentleman that has, I I think, if I remember rightly, this is a gentleman that's pretty much liked my entire backlog of posts on LinkedIn. So thank you very much for that, Andrew. Um, I've got a bit panicky when when I had like 50 notifications on my phone one day. Um, So Andrew says, hi, James. Thank you for connecting. I am good. Thank you. Find your podcast and YouTube videos very informative. I'm hoping to enter the world of health and safety at the moment, working in security. Um, nothing exciting. Uh, has been a retained firefighter as well. So, good luck in your career, Andrew. Um, you know where the help is. It's over here at Rebranding Safety. So, drop us a message if you want some more. Um, also, I know hundreds of safety professionals that will be more than willing to give you any advice. So, give us a shout if you need any more guidance and good luck in your career change. And the final shout out of this episode goes to Amanda. I'm going to say it's Luby. Lubby. Lubby. Yeah, Amanda Lubby. 
I'm, again, I probably butchered that. I apologise, Amanda. So I'm not going to read out what Amanda said because it is a very, very nice, probably one of the nicest messages I've ever received, but it is quite long um, and it's already a th- over a 35-minute podcast. So um, Amanda basically said that um, she was driving along listening to episode Health and Safety Gone Mad, which was one of our first ones. So I think it was one of our early ones um, and basically had to um, kind of, dropped me a message because she was eagerly nodding along, um, particularly at the point where I said health and safety uh, professionals are have got to take some of the blame. Um, so thank you very much for your amazing feedback, Amanda. I hope you uh, enjoy all the future podcasts and enjoy catching up as well on our back catalogue. Um, and welcome to the community of rebranders, rebranding safety as like you know we need to come up with a name for you lot like the believers but for the for the rebranding safety is rebranders i don't know anyway that'll do for this week um don't forget to give us a rate and review if you like this podcast and you think that your business owner friends your manager friends or your safety friends um would benefit from this podcast be entertained from this podcast and please give it a share i shall catch you next week guys thanks for listening safe